Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to my fourth solo podcast. These solo episodes are going to be short, ideally between five to ten minutes. In that time, I'll be highlighting some of the world's best entrepreneurs, both dead and alive, on how they got started and their early influences. In this particular episode, I'm going to be telling you the story of Andrew Carnegie. Born November 25th, 1835, Carnegie led the expansion of the American steel industry and as a result became one of the richest Americans in history. But let's go back to the beginning. Born in Scotland, he had one brother, Thomas, and one sister, and she sadly passed away before she was two. His father, William, was a weaver, and his mother, Margaret, was the owner of a small grocer's shop, and on the side, she brought him some money by cobbling shoes. Andrew was named after his father's father, and initially, they lived in a small cottage, of which they shared half the main room with their neighbours. But it was when Andrew was one, they moved to a larger house. And much of Andrew's early life was spent here on Edgar Street. So throughout his childhood, he was heavily influenced by his uncle, who at the time was a political leader in Scotland. His name, George Lauder. And it was George who introduced Andrew to Scottish heroes, including William Wallace and Robert Burns. And I mentioned this because George plays in a very important role later on, and at that later on is in 1848 when Andrew's 12 his dad has fallen on hard times and long story short the family are struggling to make end meet so they borrowed money from his uncle George and moved to Pennsylvania in the US in hope of a better life now over in the US a young 12 year old Carnegie got his first job as a bobbin boy in a nutshell he brought bobbins to women at the looms and collected full bobbins while also fixing any minor problems with the machines. He worked 12 hours a day, six days a week, all of that for $1.20 a week. Now, if you translate that to today's money, that comes out about $35, not a lot. Interestingly, a fellow Scottish man offered Andrew a job as a manufacturer of bobbins, which meant he got a pay rise, $2 a week. A year later, Andrew's 14 and he became a telegraph messenger boy of the Ohio Telegraph Company, this time on $2.50 a week. Remember his uncle George who helped him get out to the States? Well, it was his uncle that got him actually this job. And after a while, Andrew managed to get promoted to become an operator. Now, let's fast forward 1853 and Andrew is 18. Thomas Scott of the Pennsylvania Railroad Company employed Andrew as a telegraph operator. Now we're up to $4 a week. 24-year-old Andrew, still with Thomas Scott and at the Pennsylvania Railroad Company, became a superintendent of the Western Division of this company. And as a result, Andrew hired his younger brother to be his personal secretary. He also hired his cousin at the same time. So at this stage, since I've told you how much he's earning up to now, you're probably wondering, what's his wage? $1,500 a year. I did some translation, 43000 in today's money. Now, side note, at this time in history, railroad was the first big business in America. Keep that in mind, because 
If we go back to Thomas Scott, Andrew's employer at the railroad company, Scott was the one who helped Carnegie with his first investments. Now, most of this was insider trading with companies that the railroad did business with. One of Carnegie's first investments was $500 in Adam Express or Adams Express. Carnegie's mother had to place a $600 mortgage on the family's $700 home. Throughout the years, Carnegie did continue to, you know, accumulate capital. And let's fast forward to 1861, start of the Civil War. Spring in 1861, to be specific. And the Carnegie, Andrew Carnegie, was now Secretary of the War. The Assistant Secretary of the War Railroads. Meaning, he was in charge of military transportation. After the war, Carnegie left the railroads and put a lot of his energy into ironworks the ironworks trade. Carnegie worked to develop several ironworks, eventually forming the Keystone Bridge Works and the Union Ironworks in Pittsburgh. Now, although he left the Pennsylvania Railroad Company, remember Thomas Scott, he managed to stay connected with the likes of Thomas Scott and Edgar Thompson. And he used the connection with these two men to acquire contracts for his company, Keystone Bridge, and the rails produced by his ironworks. He actually ended up naming his first steel plant after Thompson. By now, you're probably wondering, did Andrew have a partner in his life? Well, Carnegie actually chose to take care of his mother for while she was alive. and She got kind of ill in her final years, but after she passed, he did get married to a Louise Whitfield. He was 51, and she was 30 years old at the time. Now you might be wondering, did he have a child? Yes, he did, but not until he was 62. Then he became a father to a girl called Margaret. Now, you might be wondering, is Margaret still alive? No, Margaret's not alive, but Margaret's daughter. Margaret had four kids. One of those kids is still alive. And Margaret is the name of his mother, so he named his daughter after his mother. Carnegie made his fortune in the steel industry, controlling the most expensive integrated iron and steel operations ever owned by an individual in the United States. Let that sink in. So, if you want to get an idea for how wealthy Andrew was at his peak, he sold his business in 1901 for $303 million, of which his shares in the company amounted to $225 million. Now, you might be thinking, $225 million, that's incredibly impressive. But there's others that have done it. Well, if you translate 225 million to today's money, 7 billion. That's it for episode 4. Come back next week to hear the story of another entrepreneur that had a big impact on the world we live in today.